everyone. This is Jules, your host of the All Things Iceland podcast. Welcome to this week's episode, which is focused on giving you some insight into my experience as a Black American female expat in the country, as well as how Iceland has responded to the gruesome killing of George Floyd by a police officer in the United States. Whether I like it or not, how I'm perceived in the United States, Iceland, and pretty much everywhere else in the world starts off with my skin color. I have encountered various types of discrimination, from being called derogatory names to microaggressions that have less of a sting but build up over time. Being the descendant of people that were first kidnapped and enslaved, then systematically oppressed, is a burden that is really hard to explain. I often tell people that one of the unexpected positives of moving to Iceland is not feeling the weight of systemic racism. Yes, people in Iceland see my darker skin and sometimes stare a little longer than what is comfortable, but the history of systemic racism towards Black people doesn't exist in the same way that it does in the United States. I mean, it's, it's many magnitudes different, and also Iceland in general, it's not overt, the type of racism that is here, or at least maybe a better way of calling it is Nordic exceptionalism and the concept of whiteness. In the U.S., it's quite overt and menacing, which definitely does add a layer to your experience that is complex, hard to understand, as well as physically taxing. I don't feel like having darker skin in Iceland has automatically been a strike against me here. I've been to many parts of the country and I've met countless Icelanders who have been friendly, helpful, and curious about my background. I have family who are Icelandic because my husband is Icelandic and so his family is now my family and they have been amazing. I have friends who are Icelandic and I'm talking about who are native Icelanders, not just people who are white, but a different variety of Icelanders that exist, even though the world perceives Iceland as only these white individuals who have blonde hair and blue eyes. So it's been quite an interesting time kind of reflecting for myself on the culture here as things have been bubbling up and there have been different types of movements around the world to show solidarity with the Black Lives Matter movement in the United States. And I just felt like the need to share in order to provide a perspective of a person who came here with probably some rose-colored glasses and uh, and has fortunately been really well-received is everyone's experience with darker skin that comes to Iceland the same as mine? Absolutely not. However... So many of the Black Americans who have moved here that I've met, at least, do have one thing in common. We feel safe. We feel safe. It's really hard to stress how big of a relief that is. Just knowing this has allowed for me to blossom in ways that I can't fully articulate. This podcast was started not just because I like Icelandic culture, history, language, and nature— but also because of my interactions with the people. As I'd mentioned, my Icelandic family have welcomed me with open arms. But before coming to Iceland to visit for my first time, my mother and grandmother were quite nervous for me. 
each one of us have met white people that were kind to us. But it wasn't unusual for their family to not necessarily be as welcoming. In fact, they might even be downright racist. And both my mom and grandmother grew up in the North, specifically in the Rochester, New York area. And they learned the hard way that no matter how nice, well-spoken, and well-dressed you are, there are some white people that will hate you and let you know it. And they just didn't want that for me. They assumed in Iceland, a land that has a majority of white people, I would for sure experience overt racism. While they were happy that this didn't happen to me, they were still a bit skeptical until they experienced the country for themselves. My grandmother, who is now 90 years old, still talks about how amazing it was to come to our wedding in 2017 and meet Gunnar's family and friends. Feeling safe and allowing myself to blossom after moving here in 2016 has been a blessing and a curse for me. When I'd see videos online of another Black person in the U.S. being brutalized, and I'm talking about years before George Floyd's death, I felt guilt for having the opportunity to live in a country where I'm treated like a human being. Black people and other people of color in the United States are not afforded that basic right. This is very hard for me sometimes to allow myself to enjoy because I feel like everyone should have this same feeling. It is not unusual for me to feel scared for my family and friends and people I may never meet who live in the U.S. because they are constantly on guard. They are afraid of being the victim of police brutality, attacked by white supremacists, or being treated differently when they're just trying to go about their lives. I've often felt sadness knowing that for hundreds of years, we have been fighting to have the right to be treated equally, but have constantly been met with hate and violence purely because of our skin being darker. I've cried more times than I can count in my life, and recently that's just increased <laughs> manyfold because of the many emotions that are coming up. And my tears have usually been because of knowing the cruelty that Black people have faced, seeing it in the media, seeing the dehumanization of individuals. I constantly have to suppress these feelings just so I can get through the day. And it can be pretty exhausting. Yet, my feelings pale in comparison to the families that have directly lost people to murder or mass incarcerations. For me, George Floyd's murder was not a surprise. I grew up learning about slavery at home. School did mention slavery, but really my parents were the ones who had to educate us on more intricacies of it. Also Jim Crow laws, lynchings, mass incarceration of black men, and seeing video after video of unarmed black people being killed by police officers or white vigilantes. For many people around the world, especially in Iceland, George Floyd's murder was the first time they were seeing such horrific treatment of a human being and learning that this was not a one-off event. Along with feeling like it was absolutely disgraceful and inhumane, there was also a lot of confusion at first for people here. Questions like, how is it possible that the U.S. society functions this way or has been set up to be this way? Why are Black men specifically targeted? Or people admitting that they knew there had been slavery, but they thought all of that, including racial discrimination, was over. Don't get me wrong. 
Not all Icelanders are ignorant to the fact that the United States oppresses Black people, but so many were not understanding the magnitude of the situation. They were also unaware of their own bias. This is something I'd like to discuss more in another episode with natives in Iceland who look different than what people normally consider to be Icelandic, and also with experts who have been doing research in this area. So in episodes in the future, you'll be hearing more on this topic from different individuals. Like other cities around the world, a gathering was organized in Reykjavik to stand in solidarity with the Black Americans fighting against systemic racism and to denounce the horrific murder of George Floyd. The gathering was held on June 3rd, 2020. The speakers, a mix of Black Americans and Black Icelanders, shared about the history of oppression in the United States and their personal stories. Many of the over 3,000 people that attended that day learned the hurtful truth. George Floyd is not an isolated event. Racism is not just a problem in the United States. It's a global issue. While Iceland is not like the United States, in terms of how racism plays out here, it has its own unique issues regarding race that need to be dealt with. One of the amazing parts of the event for me was seeing so many people of color in attendance. I had no idea that so many Black people and people of color lived here. Afterwards, some of us went out to eat together, and it felt so good to socialize and meet new people who were also navigating this complicated world with melanated skin and just to get a better idea of their views of Iceland. Right before the event took place, a rather fascinating thing happened. An Icelandic MP, Loye Einarsson, gave a passionate speech calling for the government of Iceland to condemn inequality in the United States. In part of his speech, he said, quote, We simply must have the spine to speak directly with Americans. This is why I implore the government to criticize the systemic injustice that has pervaded the United States over the past 400 years, and not least of all, criticize the response of the current president who is fanning the flames of chaos and is making matters worse. End quote. I agree with him wholeheartedly, and I'm happy that he made that speech. In addition to that, it's important for Iceland to also do some self-reflection and criticizing of their own bias and covert racism. The killing of George Floyd and the uprisings that are happening in response to it are forcing many nations to do self-reflection. Yes, you can condemn another nation of being unjust towards Black people, but it does beg the question, are you also guilty of this? If so, what are you going to do about it? In response to these uprisings, and I do believe self-reflection is happening here, people of color in Iceland have started to speak out more about their experiences. There have been news articles, social media posts, and private conversations. Last year, I interviewed Altis Amma, who is a mixed-race Icelander. She shared that her experience here had been just fine. We did talk about one incident in which a young boy said something to her quite racist, and it wasn't something that she felt was a big deal because they were so young. And, you know, everyone's experience of things and how they deal with them is different. The other interesting part, though, is as of recently, I had lunch with her. And she said that she's been thinking about things that have happened to her and to others that look like her in Iceland. 
these reflections have been sparked, of course, by seeing other others in the country voice issues that have resonated with her. And this isn't easy to have to come to the realization that there are things that maybe you've been pushing to the side as an Icelander who is still considered not Icelandic enough, perhaps, and random comments that can be hurtful thrown at you, or just like I said, covert racism. So lots of Icelanders with dark skin have talked about how immediately another Icelander will speak to them in English or even continue to speak to them in English, even when they speak back in Icelandic. And this can be very hurtful, of course. And not everybody wants to talk about this either, because it isn't something that everyone's ready to have to deal with. Because it's, like I said, it's hurtful. You are Icelandic. If you grew up here, you speak the language, you're part of the culture. And it's hard to know that there's something that's completely out of your control and doesn't have anything to do, such as the color of your skin, with you being an Icelander really is yet the same thing that is being held against you. So many of these instances of microaggressions are starting to pop up. And I have no idea. You know, I can't speak on what it's like to be mixed race. I can only imagine that it adds a layer of complexity to one's life, especially because most societies are trying to force an identity on everybody. So when you have mixed race people, it's like, well, who am I? You know, and and as I said, I I can't really speak on this. This is kind of me just saying my thoughts because I, I can only imagine it just being difficult. And so, like I mentioned earlier, I I do plan on discussing this topic interview-wise with people who are living this experience and can directly share what it's like for them and also some of the things they've encountered and, and how they would like to see the country change. Many of us that want the change to come are no longer hoping that it will happen. We're at a point now where hope is not a strategy And we are taking action for it to become a reality because in the end, it means a safer and more harmonious society for all of us. I can't stress enough how important it is for there to be collective action because the anti-racism fight is beneficial to all of us. I've included in the show notes of this episode a link to resources you can use to find organizations to donate to, to educate yourself, and just overall how to be anti-racist. So now that I've kind of given you an idea of my experience, very like (laughs) a very little bit of it, and at least in Iceland, I like I said, I feel safe. It's still a country I really very much enjoy. I enjoy doing this podcast. It is harder to learn about these things regarding the country because I came in with just such like an idealized view of the country. And as I've lived here longer, I just get a deeper understanding of things. And that with that comes me being uncomfortable, but it also provides the opportunity to change, to evolve as a person. And I think that's a really positive thing, too. I am going to move on to the random fact of the episode because this part really intrigues me and actually kind of sets up the next episode that will be coming out after this one. I found an academic paper from 2009 by an Icelander named Christine Lofsdóttir titled Negotiating White Icelandic Identity, 
multiculturalism, and colonial identity formations. And in the abstract, she writes that, quote, This article explores the construction of white Icelandic identity in historical and contemporary discourses. The article show that even though Iceland did not participate directly in a 19th century colonial project, the interwoven racial, gendered, and nationalistic ideologies associated with the colonial project were very much a part of Icelandic identity in the 19th and early 20th century as shaped by parallel discourses in Europe. Analysis of contemporary blog sites reflects the increasingly complex manifestations of racism in contemporary Iceland. Whiteness continues to be invisible as a position of power in many contemporary Icelanders. Interestingly, despite being few in numbers in Iceland, Muslims are increasingly constructed in the media as a threat in a similar way as in the rest of Europe. End quote. So I, after reading this, reached out to Christine about interviewing her, and she is totally up for it, which is awesome. She also ended up sending me some more articles that she's written, which I've been reading. I do think that that interview with her will be a very insightful one because it's coming from an academic standpoint. The mix of anecdotal and researched information kind of come together to tell a story that I've not heard before. I've not been introduced to, mainly because it isn't really talked about. And most of the time when people think of academic papers or articles, they their brain wants to shut off and just not look into that because it's usually boring. <laughs> but when I was reading her papers, I was, I'm not bored at all. In fact, it was quite the opposite. I feel like I couldn't get enough and I was like gobbling it up and highlighting things <laughs> because this hits differently for me, of course. But also, it's just new information that I just didn't realize how deeply it goes or how deeply it's been in the society here. So definitely keep a lookout for that. If you want to get some more context around that, I did an interview with Gisli Paulson. He's also a professor of anthropology at the University of Iceland. And we talked about the fact that he made the book about Hans Janotun, who is the first black citizen of Iceland. And if you haven't heard that episode, just as one part of it that I find to be super fascinating because Hans Janotin came to Iceland in the 1800s, was that he was well-received here. Yes, people knew that his skin was darker, but he came and he was respected, he worked, he had a family, and he has descendants in Iceland. Super fascinating stuff, in my opinion, <laughs> and a great opportunity to learn about a little bit deeper about Icelandic culture that might feel uncomfortable, but I think it's necessary. And to be honest, it makes me uncomfortable too. I mean, it's not like I want to know that Iceland has like racism in it or people brushing it off as, you know, things that could be hurtful to certain groups of people. Brushing it off is no big deal and that racism doesn't exist here. You know, we don't want to give that type of energy either. And I think that's a big part of what Iceland needs to contend with is willing to accept that it does exist just collectively because some people obviously do but there's a great majority who don't want that to be the case because then that does mean that you have a problem and one that needs to be solved so 
Anyway, the Icelandic phrase of the episode, which is a unifying one, literally, is Vith erum ut i thesum saman. Vith erum ut i thesu saman. Which literally translates to we are all in this together. So each of those words, with being we, erum, are, ut, all, i, thesu, in this, saman, together. And I think that is, for me, very necessary to get across. Because in me sharing my experiences, it's not meant to make others feel alienated. It's actually to just give you how life has been shaped for me and how even coming to Iceland felt And why, like I mentioned about feeling safe was so important because I came from a place where that's not how I felt most of the time. And when I wasn't thinking about it, it was mainly because I just decided to shut it out of my brain. And so as always, though, I appreciate those that have taken the time to listen to this episode, which was pretty hard for me to share. (laughs) I'm not a huge fan of being vulnerable, but I I do know that sometimes it's necessary in order to just connect deeper on a topic. I also thank those that are taking action to fight for an equal and just society for all of us. Thank you.